We turn in God's Word this evening to the book of Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. For those of you who are visiting with us tonight, we're not here this morning. Uh, For the month of May, I'm doing a short sermon series on 40 days and 40 nights as we find it uh, recorded in Scripture. There are some very significant events that surround that phrase. This morning, the 40 days and 40 nights were those of Noah and the flood, the judgment that God brought upon the earth, but in the midst of that judgment, God's grace. With Moses, it occurs two times. This is the first one. Lord willing, next Lord's Day, we'll consider the second as well. And then also uh, the challenge of Goliath that uh, takes place within that 40 days and nights as well. But this, mo- this evening, it's the first of the encounters that Moses has of 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord. Exodus chapter 24, the breathed out word of God to us. Then he said to Moses... Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near. The people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people and they said... All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up. And they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. For he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you, and behold... Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. So Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud. And went up on the mountain. Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer. 
Father in heaven, we give thanks for this portion of your word, and may we have a love for your word so that we can study it and be may, may, make it made plain to us that we may serve you in all of our all that we do. And we just ask a blessing on Pastor Bob as he brings this to us through the preaching of the word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we want to look at three things in regards to this 40 days and 40 nights of of Moses up here on the mountain of Sinai. First of all, the call that God issues to come up. Secondly, the cloud that covers. And then thirdly, the communication that is given up there. And then lastly, the connection that we make to ourselves out of this passage. So the call, the cloud, the communication, and then lastly, the connection. God calls him up to the mountain. This is not the first time that this has been told to Moses. Chapter 19, 16 through 20, God came and said, come up the mountain. Chapter 20, verses 18 through 21, God said, come up the mountain. This, then, is the third time that Moses is called to come up the mountain. Come up. Three times. It's going to be four, when we're finished with Moses, that he makes the trek. What I find quite amazing about that is the guy's 80 years old. He's no young puppy. He's not young and healthy and strong. He's 80. Now, that doesn't mean all you of 80, I think, is weak and helpless, but I do find it interesting that he's mountain climbing at 80. Uh, Without the assistance of any nice devices, he has to go up to the mountain. And that he is continually going up and down this mountain. At 80 years old, serving as God's servant in this means. So the first thing to note is that this is the third time and he is called to come up the mountain. But there is also an interesting thing that God tells him to come up and wait. Wait. And once again, it's a waiting that's going to be a seven-day period. And, and that ought to strike at least Little Farms people kind of interesting because that's the same thing we found with Noah. When Noah was told to go into the ark, God calls him into the ark, shuts the door, and they wait there for seven days. One wonders for Noah what was going on in his mind for those seven days. What's he thinking about? Oh, there are obviously duties to attend to. The animals are there. What's he thinking? But you also wonder that about Moses, right? Come up the mountain and wait. Day after day after day. Seven of them. But there are provisions given as well. We read that Moses is obedient. He does so. He is given an assistant, Joshua, to help him. How far Joshua goes up the mountain with him, that we do not know. From where we pick it up at uh, verse 15, it appears he is going that far alone, that perhaps Joshua is given to assist him part of the way. How far, we don't know. The scriptures don't answer that part of the question. But it is interesting that 
God provides for the people while Moses is gone. Moses gives the instruction. Aaron, you and her, you're you're the ones. You're the go-to men. In my absence, you 70 elders, if there is a dispute that comes up, go to them. God's call to come is met with Moses' obedience again and again and now a third time again. But I want you to notice, though, in in all of this is when we turn to verse 15, we find some more that takes place. Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. We have read about this cloud before. If you trace back to Exodus chapter 13, God speaks to the people there and promises that he will be with them as the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It's interesting that both the cloud and fire appear in this story, in this event. We've seen this cloud. It's been there. It's it's been the cloud of protection. It's been the cloud of guidance. It's been the cloud that, that separated the Israelites from the Egyptians as the Egyptians chased after them through the Red Sea. The cloud came and, and made a distinction. Once again, I think it's pretty safe to say that God is showing us the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. God is showing us again that the way is only through that which he provides through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We meet it again, this cloud, in chapter 19, verse 16. There it appears in a quite glorious fashion to the people, so much so that the people are afraid. We don't want to go up. We don't want to get anywhere close to this. You go up. You go up. This this sight before us is too fearful. And yet that is the very cloud again that comes. Verse 16 tells us that it's the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. This too is, again, a marvelous thing. We read about it in verse 17. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. And here's Moses in the midst of this. In in the midst of this cloud, I don't know if you've ever done any mountain driving, if you've ever been out west and have driven through mountains with all of those twists and turns, and perhaps if you were the man driving, your wife holding dearly onto the car door, okay, because she's the one that's generally on the outside there, giving you lots of instructions. But imagine that mountain enveloped with a cloud, a cloud that is glorious, a cloud that is fire. This is Moses' situation. He's up on this mountain, and here is the glory of the Lord surrounding him for 40 days and 40 nights. 
I think the whole picture, as we'll come to the conclusion of this, it's the picture of being in the presence of God. Moses gets to experience that. He's experiencing it in a way differently than than Noah experienced this morning. The presence of God, the protection of God with that ark. Here is Moses in God's presence and God's glory is surrounding him. I suppose there are some who might think, well, that doesn't sound like much. That sounds kind of boring for 40 days being in the presence of God. That can only come from the mouth of an unbeliever. That can only come from one who has not experienced the goodness and the richness and the love and the mercy of God. Because once you've experienced that, once you've tasted of the goodness of God, to be in the presence of God, the glory of God, The glorious fire of God. This is a privilege that that is not given to many men in the scriptures. There are not many who are going to come across this situation. David is never going to experience. Solomon is never going to experience. Gideon is never going to experience it. Many of the heroes of faith are never going to have the experience of Moses up upon this mountain. 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of the glory of God. If we read verse 16 of chapter 24, again, the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst. And now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like the devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on that mountain 40 days and 40 nights. See, that that seven days is the time of waiting. There is the glory of God and here is Moses. And now Moses is in that glory. He beholds it for that seven days. He beholds the wonder. And then God says, come in. Come into my glory. Come into my presence. For 40 days and 40 nights. See, this morning when we looked at those 40 days and 40 nights, they're, they're a time of judgment, are they not? As the rain, as the deeps burst forth and that flood covers the earth and all living things except that which is in the ark. Dies. This is not God's judgment. This is not God's. Moses is not under God's judgment here. Moses is in the grace of God. Did you catch that little line in chapter 24 when the when the 70 of them along with the priests, go up, and along with Moses and Aaron, and it says they saw God. 
And then it describes what it was they saw. But they were not consumed. They were not destroyed. They were in the presence of God. But still lived. That was God's grace. Now here's Moses, not just observing God. He is there. He is in that cloud. He is in that glory. He is in that fire. Forty days and forty nights. But what happens there? What takes place on this mountain? What are they doing for forty days and forty nights? Right? We, we know if we think back to Noah, those 40 days and 40 nights, the ark is beginning to rise. They're caring for the animals. They're hearing the pelting rain, realizing that they are safe within this ark. Perhaps thinking about the, the judgment that is taking place on the outside of that ark. What's Moses doing? Well, God's word goes on to tell us. That's what we find in the next chapters. All the way from chapter 25, all the way through chapter 31. And in that, God is communicating. See, here's the blessing for Moses. Not only is is he in the presence of God, not only is he in the glory of God, not only is he in this glory that is appearing as a devouring fire, yet he is not consumed. For 40 days and 40 nights, God communicates to him. What is God telling him about? Well, as we would look through the chapters and page through them, God is showing to Moses the plans of the tabernacle. Oh, he's telling him about it. He's speaking it. But he is also showing him. We know that when we get to Exodus chapter 26, verse 30. Build it like I showed you. Build it like you saw. Not like you heard, but like you saw. In some way, God put before the eyes of Moses up there on the mountain what that tabernacle that Moses is now to go down from the mountain and build and construct, what that actually looked like, the details of it. See, when we read the chapters that are here and study the tabernacle, there's a lot of questions. What exactly does a cherubim look like that you're supposed to weave into this tapestry? What exactly is this candlestick to look like? And you can get about as many different designs as there are Bible dictionaries out there. But Moses saw it. It isn't just God told him and then Moses, what was that? God showed him. He knows exactly like what everything is to be like. Every single detail God reveals to Moses so that he saw the plan of this tabernacle. It's God's design. This is how I desire to be worshipped. This is how I want you as my covenant people to worship me. 
This is what you are to build. This is what you are to construct. See, God has just brought them out of Egypt. These people have been steeped in in paganism and deities of the Egyptians for years and years and years. They've been kept from the worship of God. There, There is no tabernacle. There has been no temple. There has been nothing for these people except that oral tradition that has passed on throughout the families. There is no book of Genesis for them. It is not yet written. Here they come to this mountain. Here's this cloud on the mountain. And here's the glory of God. And here's this fire. And they're afraid. How how can we ever worship this God? How can we ever come close and near to him? God says, here, let me show you how. Moses, you come up here and let me show you. This is the means by which you may worship me. When we turn to Hebrews chapter 9, the author of Hebrews reminds us that that which Moses saw on the mountain was a shadow, was was a shadow that pointed to a greater reality, and that greater reality being Christ. See, even there on the mountain, as God reveals to Moses these plans and details for the tabernacle, God is showing them Christ. Don't ever be swept up, my friends. Don't ever be swept up into that false thinking that somehow these Jewish people of the Old Testament were saved by some other means. That, that there's these different time periods of history and God saves some people this way and he saves other people this way and he saves other people this way and, and some people are saved this way and some people are saved this way depending on the time period of history. Those people in the Old Testament were saved in the same way you and I are. Only through Jesus Christ and God is displaying it to them in the shadow of that tabernacle. The fulfillment of which is Christ. Everything, everything about that tabernacle pointed to Jesus Christ. For 40 days, for 40 nights, Moses gets to absorb in Christ. Secondly, God does speak. In fact, it's rather interesting as you look through this, at least in the ESV, God speaks seven times. But the whole thing is the speech of God. God speaks the whole time. Moses never utters a word. Moses never says a thing. Moses never talks to God. It's all God. God speaks to him. And then it's interesting, is it not, that we have these breaks. And God said... Or, and the Lord said, and the Lord said. How many times does that occur? Seven. Interesting number once again, right? 
That number of perfection, that number of fulfillment. Here is all you need, Moses. This is it. You don't need to add anything to this. You don't need to add anything to the plans that I have done. You build it. You build it as I state it because the fulfillment is in Christ. You don't need to add anything to Christ. It's Christ and Christ alone. The fulfillment of all of this. You know, it's rather interesting. As I sat down in preparation for this message, and I read, starting at verse 1 of chapter 25, and the Lord said to Moses, and then you have to keep reading, okay? Because God's speaking all of chapter 25, all of chapter 26, all of chapter 27, all of chapter 28, all of chapter 29, all of chapter 30. All of chapter 31, up until verse 18. And I read that. You know how long it takes? 10, 15 minutes. But he's up there how long? 40 days and 40 nights. I I realize that presents to us a question. So is this one speech? Or was God gracious and said, today, Moses, we're going to talk about a bronze basin. Now listen, this is what you do. Moses, today we're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. This is what you do. And day after day, God comes and he speaks. Just like every day of those 40 days of rain, God was speaking. God communicates to Moses, he speaks. I don't know, and I can't say for sure that's exactly the way it broke down as far as what's happening there. But it wouldn't appear that God would just have Moses up there doing nothing. There is this communion that is taking place between God and Moses without Moses saying a word. Now let me ask you, would that be wonderful to just hear God speak to you? See, in our modern day, in our modern age, that wouldn't go over. In our modern day, it would be, wait a minute, God, you've had enough time, okay? Now we got to do some things. Let me talk a minute, God, come on, give me a moment, God, you're always talking. You're always speaking. Why does that need to be so long? Why can't it be shorter? And why can't I say some more, God? You know, one of the things that our culture hates is silence. Silence. 
We hate silence. We always got to have music. We got to have something in our ear. We got to be listening to something. We got to have a radio on. There has to be some background noise. We can't even sleep without sound. Right? Why? Because we want something filling our ears because we hate silence. But God says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. Because you see, it's in the silence that God speaks. It's amazing when, we, when you stop to think about it. How much noise we, we create in order to block out silence. We're going to come to that man, right? We're going to come to that man who stands upon a mountain. He sees all the noisy things and God says, I'm not in that. Then there's this quiet whisper that says, this is me. In the silence. So you see, even if on the mountain there are extended periods of silence, That's not wasted time. That's not invaluable time. That's being still and knowing that I am God. Thirdly, God wrote. Go with me to the end of that section, chapter 31. So there's three things that happened up there on the mountain in those 40 days and nights. One, God showed Moses the tabernacle. Two, and the items associated with the worship. Two, he speaks to Moses. And third, he writes. Verse 18, and he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on the mountain the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written With the finger of God. Two tablets. God's finger. Now God showed him. God told him. Why does God give him the two tablets? Why does Moses need a written record of that which God said. Could one reason be because God knows he's going to go down the mountain? He's going to go down the mountain and you know what's waiting him down there? A golden calf. Could it be that he knows how susceptible we as human beings are to forgetting what God tells us? And even what God shows us? And how much we need a written record to remind us over and over and over again of his truth. See, three things are happening on that mountain. One, we are learning how to worship. Two, 
we are learning how to live under the rule of Christ. So we're learning to worship in Christ. We are learning to live under the rule of Christ. And we are learning to live by the truth of Christ. Etched in stone. Doesn't change. Doesn't change. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. We heard the men sing it. Right? See, these 40 days and 40 nights are not a time of judgment like, like Noah. This is a time of grace. This is a time of worship. And the connection, lastly, to today is this. Do you realize that God gives you this opportunity every Lord's Day? He gives you this opportunity here twice every Lord's Day. He invites you to come. Come into my presence. Come. If you're Moses, and you're walking up that mountain, that cloud, that glory of the Lord is there, would you not be in awe? Would you not just be so in awe? Of the majesty of God. We've lost some of that. We lost, have lost some of it. I think what happened to, to the church in the, in, over the, the number of years is, is this. We so saw God as separate, as apart, that we were like the Israelites at the bottom of the hill going, we don't want to come near. We don't want to come near. And so what we attempted to do is we brought God down off the mountain. And we brought God down to the camp. And we made God common. We made God ordinary. So that worship is no longer anything of awe. It's just like everyday stuff. But God is high and lifted up. God still dwells in his glory. But here's the awesomeness. God invites us into that glory. God doesn't come down to us. He did in Christ. But he did in Christ so that we might be lifted up. That we might come into his presence. When we talk about that we are in the presence of God when we worship. It's not that God came down to little farms. It's that little farms got lifted up to glory. We get to go up the mountain. We get to be in the presence of God. And the 
awe of that thought alone ought to fill us with such hearts of praise, of worship, that we come just, Lord, I just want to listen. I just want to listen to what you have to say. I just want to hear you. I don't care about the roast in the oven. I just want to hear you. I don't care that the game starts in 15 minutes. I just want to hear you. I just want to be in your presence and I just want to hear you, God. And you see, the beauty of this is, is I'm not preaching something that is pie in the sky. That this is something, oh, no, we could never. No, this is what Christ came and gave his life for. So that we, as the saints of God, perfected saints with the blood sprinkled upon us, might be lifted up into his glory. Because that's the ultimate end, isn't it? That's the ultimate purpose. Is that we might be lifted up so that we might glorify him forever. Worship is not to be our drudgery. Worship is to be that which we enjoy more than anything in life. For 40 days and for 40 nights, Moses had that blessing. You get it. You get it. Every Lord's Day. But you know what? It gets better yet. Because God, in His grace and mercy, has sent His Spirit to dwell in you so that you and I are the temples of God. God is good. God is great. All the time. Father, thank you. This journey up the mountain with Moses is life changing. Changes perspective. It changes life. It Changes our understanding of you. It creates within us a desire for eternity with you. What an amazing thing that you and the person of your son have come to this earth, tabernacled with us, dwelt amongst us, in order that he might redeem us and wash us with his blood, cleanse us from all of our sin, make full atonement for us, so that we might enter into your presence and we're not consumed, 
We're not consumed. Because of your grace, thank you for this glimpse that you have given to us. A glimpse that we find fulfilled in Christ. And we thank you for the blessing of this evening. For the blessing of men of grace who have come and ministered to us in song and lifted our souls and lifted our spirits. But Father, it's Christ who has accomplished the even greater work in bringing us to you. And it's in his name that we pray. And God's people say, Amen.